Hi everyone, it's Joe Wigand from Medora, North Dakota, gateway to Theodore Roosevelt National Park and home to the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation. With their help, we're starting Teddy Talks. The April program is called 26 Days with the 26th President. Each and every day, I'll be reading at length from some of what uh, Theodore Roosevelt wrote and spoke during his lifetime. Uh, as we go through, uh, I hope that you'll understand why Theodore Roosevelt at the State Fair in Minnesota on Labor Day 1901 told the people there to speak softly and carry a big stick. You will go far. Teddy Talks are proudly presented by the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation in Medora, North Dakota. To learn more about visiting or supporting our mission to connect people to the Badlands for positive, life-changing experiences, go to Medora.com. Now, enjoy the pod. Good morning, and welcome to Teddy Talks for Wednesday, May 6th. I'm Joe Wiegand, coming to you from Medora, North Dakota. It's a beautiful, sunny day, and I'm glad to be here with you. Thanks for coming along for the ride. A look ahead at the programs for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday, May 7th, uh, we'll uh, stay in 1903, as we'll have a program today at the Grand Canyon. Uh, we'll be in Barstow, San Bernardino, Victorville, Redlands, and Riverside, California in 1903. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt touring California. And on the date, Thursday, May 7th, we will be remembering the honored dead. It's the anniversary, uh, the 105th anniversary of the sinking of the RMS Lusitania, May 7th, 1915. Theodore Roosevelt has something to say. Friday and Saturday, May 8th and May 9th, we'll uh, continue to barnstorm California in 1903 on both days and uh, follow along uh, in 1905, those same two days, Friday and Saturday, May 8th and May 9th. We'll have some comments for, from Theodore Roosevelt from Colorado as president of the United States in 1905. Of course, he was out there to uh, relax and go hunting. And so at least in one of the speeches, He's just simply asking the nice people to uh, let him have a nice hunt. Uh, today is May 6th. Uh, always enjoy a little bit of on this date in history. I like to go to uh, some of the uh, some of the antecedents uh, of Theodore Roosevelt, some of those things that influenced the milieu, the, the era in which he lived, and also then... Uh, I'm sorry, the precedents and the antecedents, those things that came after him as well, the influence that he had upon uh, upon those who came after him as well. Uh, but uh, in 1835, so 23 years before Theodore Roosevelt's birth, James Gordon Bennett Sr. publishes the first issue of the New York Herald, and it is indeed a penny paper. Uh, one of Theodore Roosevelt's early memories, of course, will be uh, of being brought to the newspaper boy's lodging house with his father, Theodore Roosevelt, who would on Sunday afternoons uh, do Bible study and uh, be uh, an influence to the boys who were orphans, who sold those penny newspapers on the street. Theodore Roosevelt telling a story of one time meeting a territorial governor at the time when Theodore Roosevelt was New York governor and a, 
a governor's meeting, and that man coming to find Theodore Roosevelt to uh, shake his hand, not for the fact that he was the hero of San Juan Hill and the governor of the Empire State, but rather because as a young boy, this man had been one of those uh, newspaper boys, one of the newsies at the lodge, and he had gone on to be adopted uh, by a Western family, as many of the boys had uh, through the uh, Children's Home and Aid Society, and uh, and uh, Theodore Roosevelt quite struck by that meeting. May 6th, 1837, United States blacksmith John Deere creates the first steel plow in Grand Detour, Illinois, and you can tour uh, the uh, uh, the John Deere homestead, uh, see the uh, blacksmith shop in the barn uh, in which he began the great John Deere Corporation. And boy, won't we all be happy when the uh, the men of the green paint, the men and women that wear the John Deere hat and, and jacket uh, come to Medora. Uh, we hope they have a wonderful uh, spring uh, getting the, uh, the crops in. May 6th, 1856, the birth of Robert Perry, American Arctic explorer, said on uh, April 6, 1909, to have made the North Pole. A great deal of uh, subsequent scientific controversy as to whether it was he or uh, the year preceding uh, uh, Captain Cook uh, that had made the North Pole. He was born on this date in Cresson, Pennsylvania, died in 1920. Uh, interestingly, uh, uh, there's a little bit of uh, Perry in Theodore Roosevelt's African Game Trails. This going back to a, a wonderful old original copy given to me by a friend from Buffalo, New York. Here it says, uh, so this is back to uh, 1909 and, and to the uh, uh, first portions of Theodore Roosevelt's year-long exploration and hunting in British East Africa. While at Miro Boma, I received a cable forwarded by native runners telling me of Perry's wonderful feat in reaching the North Pole. Of course, we were all overjoyed, and in particular, we Americans could not but feel a special pride in the fact that it was a fellow countryman who had performed the great and noteworthy achievement. A little more than a year had passed since I had said goodbye to Perry as he started on his Arctic quest. After leaving New York in the Roosevelt, he had put into Oyster Bay to see us, and we had gone aboard the Roosevelt had examined with keen interest how she was fitted for the boreal seas in the boreal winter, and had then waved farewell to the tall, gaunt explorer as he stood looking toward us over the side of the stout little ship. And there's a little foot footnote. When I later reached Nary, I received from Perry the following cable. Your farewell was a royal mascot. The pole is ours. Perry. Also born on that uh, same date, May 6th, 1856, in Freiburg in the Austrian Empire, Sigmund Freud, the Austrian neurologist and father of psychology. Uh, he would die in 1939. So interesting. Perry, May 6th, 1856, Robert Perry, Sigmund Freud, May 6th, 1856. These two characters were combined for me in a live performance at the suburban Chicago campus of Roosevelt University, this primarily named for Franklin and Eleanor, but also remembers Theodore Roosevelt, a continuing education class, a group of seniors, and after what I hope was an entertaining, uh, inspirational performance, uh, given the original material, a lady in the back uh, stood to ask the first question. 
she introduced herself. She said, Colonel Roosevelt, I'm a retired psychiatrist. I've studied your life in detail, and I have concluded that you were bipolar. I hadn't expected this question, but I responded, Madam, when I was hunting in Africa, I received a cable from, uh, from Commodore Perry announcing he'd made the North Pole. I believe this made him unipolar. I was more of an equatorial man. So uh, deflected with humor is uh, the way uh, Mrs. Wiegand would say that I dealt with that one. May 6, 1859, the birth of Alexander. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is the death date of Alexander von Humboldt, of course. Uh, the German naturalist, he toured the United States. Uh, the uh, uh, von Humboldt writings. Uh, there's a book called The Von Humboldt Current, I believe. And, but quite an inspiration to the subsequent generation of naturalists and explorers and all but forgotten in the literature and history until the, the 20th century, a resurrection in, in uh, von Humboldt's work as a, uh, a, a an explorer of both North and South America, I believe. On this date, also a death date, 1862, Henry David Thoreau, the American writer and pacifist, author, of course, of Walden Pond, died at the age of 44. Had an interesting experience getting to know a bit of the contrast in these uh, personalities of uh, these two men, Henry David Thoreau and Theodore Roosevelt. I had to climb Katahdin. That's the mountain that Theodore Roosevelt climbed in 1879, uh, the year following his father's birth, and on a second or third trip to the north woods of Maine, uh, uh, staying in Island Falls with William Sewell, the man who would come out with his nephew Wilmot Dow to work the Elkhorn Ranch. If you climb Katahdin on coming down, or if you're headed up uh, one of the southern slopes, you'll come past uh, Thoreau Springs. And it seems that Henry David Thoreau had gone up Katahdin, but he had luncheon at a little springs. He did not make the ascent to the top of the mountain. Theodore Roosevelt made the top of uh, Katahdin. Henry David Thoreau uh, content with contemplation and lunch at the Springs. May 6, 1870, uh, the uh, birth of Amadeo Giannini. He's the American banker and entrepreneur who founded Bank of America. He was born in San Jose, California, died in 1949. Isn't that the bank? Has it been headquartered out in San Francisco? May 6, 1870, John T. McCutcheon, the American cartoonist born in South Rob, Tippecanoe County, Indiana, died 1949. And a Pulitzer Prize winner in McCutcheon, amongst uh, many of his uh, cartoons, you'll find cartoons with the theme of Theodore Roosevelt. May 6, 1865, the birth of William D. Leahy, Admiral Leahy, uh, American Admiral and Chief of Staff in 1949, born in Hampton, Iowa. Uh, May 6, 1882, the Chinese Exclusion Act. U.S. Congress ceases Chinese immigration, the anti-China, anti-Japan, anti-Asia uh, feelings of Western Americans would peak during Theodore Roosevelt's time, during which he would have to uh, negotiate with Japan and with the leaders of the California government to uh, have California rescind anti-Japanese and anti-Asian legislation. May 6, 1895 the birth of Rudolf Valentino, an Italian actor and silent movie idol. Uh, he was born in Castellanotta, Italy. Uh, and there are some stories of him coming and touring in New York at a time when Theodore Roosevelt was in New York City. I'd have to go back and find a, 
a, a mutual time and event, uh, uh, but uh, a uh, Valentino benefited from the uh, uh, from the actions of some of the New York police officers who had served with Theodore Roosevelt. May 6, 1910, George V becomes the King of the United Kingdom upon the death of his father, Edward VII. T.R. attends the funeral on May 17th. So we'll we'll come to review that, uh, where Theodore Roosevelt was the official United States government representative at the funeral of, of uh, Edward VII. May 6, 1915, the birth of Orson Welles, the American actor. Uh, we mentioned Orson Welles uh, uh, as being uh, uh, Citizen Kane, uh, the actor, and I believe he may have directed that film, but also War of the Worlds uh, on radio in the film version, born in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, uh, 1915. May 6, 1942, Corregidor in the Philippines surrendered to the Japanese armies. Let us never forget during this, the 75th anniversary of the last year of World War II, all of those who've served, and we look forward to our Veterans Appreciation Day here, July 12th in Medora. Boy, won't it be a blessing if we're up and running with full steam by that date when we say thank you to our veterans. I've got one brief reading today. Maybe that's why I felt a bit of license uh, to take you through this date uh, on history uh, a little bit longer today. Uh, this speech was given by Theodore Roosevelt uh, uh, to the uh, territorial governor of Arizona. That would be the former Major Alexander Brody, uh, a man who had graduated West Point, uh, served as the superintendent of the big dam that failed at Wickenburg, but uh, would also be third in command behind Leonard Wood and Theodore Roosevelt of the uh, regiment in Cuba. And uh, these remarks made on the date when Theodore Roosevelt first saw the Grand Canyon, he'd heard of it, read of it. He would have read the uh, field notes, the exploration of John Wesley Powell, the one-armed uh, former uh, Union officer who explored the uh, Southwest and really launched the idea of uh, irrigation and uh, in the uh, arid Southwest. And uh, as well then, uh, there's a reference here to Bucky O'Neill. He was the captain of Troop A of the Rough Rider Regiment. He's the one who coming out of Prescott, Arizona, where he stepped aside from his mayorship to go and do his duty He'd been the sheriff of Yavapai County. He'd been the clerk of the court and quite a uh, uh, quite a, an admiring uh, a fellow uh, was Theodore Roosevelt of Bucky O'Neill, who gave his life July 1st, 1898 uh, in, uh, in Cuba. Uh, Bucky O'Neill had a cabin on the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and uh, that cabin stands today still. So, to... Uh, Launch us into our day on May 6th, Theodore Roosevelt at the Grand Canyon. Mr. Governor, and you, my fellow citizens, I am glad to be in Arizona today. From Arizona, many gallant men came into the regiment which I had the honor to command. Arizona sent men who won glory on fields and men to whom came a glorious and an honorable death fighting for the flag of their country. As long as I live, it will be to me an inspiration to have served with Bucky O'Neill. I have met so many comrades whom I prize, for whom I feel respect and admiration and affection, that I shall not particularize among them except to say that there is none for whom I feel all of respect and admiration and affection more than for your governor. 
I have never been in Arizona before. It is one of the regions from which I expect most development through the wise action of the National Congress in passing the Irrigation Act. The first and biggest experiment now in view under that act is the one that we are trying in Arizona. I look forward to the effects of irrigation, partly as applied by and through the government, still more as applied by individuals, and especially by associations of individuals, profiting by the example of the government, and possibly by help from it. I look forward to the effects of irrigation as being of greater consequence to all this region of the country in the next 50 years than any other material movement whatsoever. In the Grand Canyon, Arizona has a natural wonder, which so far as I know is in kind absolutely unparalleled throughout the rest of the world. I want to ask you to do one thing in connection with it in your own interest and in the interest of the country to keep this great wonder of nature as it now is. I was delighted to learn of the wisdom of the Santa Fe Railroad people in deciding not to build their hotel on the brink of the canyon. I hope you will not have a building of any kind, not a summer cottage, a hotel, or anything else to mar the wonderful grandeur, the sublimity, the great loneliness and beauty of the canyon. Leave it as it is. You cannot improve on it. The ages have been at work on it, and man can only mar it. What you can do is to keep it for your children, your children's children, and for all who come after you, is one of the great sights which every American, if he can travel at all, should see. We have gotten past the stage, my fellow citizens, when we are to be pardoned if we treat any part of our country as something to be skinned for two or three years for the use of the present generation, whether it is the forest, the water, the scenery, whatever it is, handle it so that your children's children will get the benefit of it. If you deal with irrigation, apply it under circumstances that will make it of benefit, not to the speculator who hopes to get profit out of it for two or three years, but handle it so that it will be of use to the homemaker, to the man who comes to live here and to have his children stay after him. Keep the forests in the same way. Preserve the forests by use. Preserve them for the ranchmen and the stockmen, for the people of the territory, for the people of the region roundabout. Preserve them for that use, but use them so that they will not be squandered, that they will not be wasted, so that they will be a benefit to Arizona of 1953 as well as Arizona of 1903. To the Indians here, I want to say a word of welcome. In my regiment, I had a good many Indians. They were good enough to fight and to die, and they are good enough to have me treat them exactly as squarely as any white man. There are many problems in connection with them. We must save them from corruption and from brutality. And I regret to say that at times we must save them from unregulated Eastern philanthropy. All I ask is a square deal for every man. Give him a fair chance. Do not let him wrong anyone. 
and do not let him be wronged. I believe in you. I am glad to see you. I wish you well with all my heart, and I know that your future will justify all the hopes we have. I believe in you. I am glad to see you. I wish you well with all my heart, and I know that your future will justify all the hopes we have. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say it any better than it was said by Theodore Roosevelt in 1903. I'm glad to see you. I wish you all the best. Join us tomorrow, Barnstorming California in 1903, and the 105th anniversary of the sinking of the Lusitania. And Friday and Saturday, touring with the president, 1903 in California, 1905 in Colorado. That's it today. Finishing up in 1920, uh, 1930, it says. Well, that's the era. All the best. Have a great day. See you tomorrow on Teddy Talks.